All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's good to see you here in the house in Florence. want to welcome all our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg. Come on, let's show them some love. It's good to have you in the house in LB. To all of our guests who are joining us online, man, again, every week we're excited to have people join us from literally all over the United States, but most of all, those who show up here on campus, man, we're glad to see you guys in person. We know some of you still are not comfortable to be back, but if you are able to join us in person because you're local, man, we would encourage you just to jump on board. It's a great environment. We're doing the best we can to keep everybody safe, but we want you here in the house if possible. If not, keep joining us online. Wherever you're at, in person, online, we just believe that Jesus can meet you where you are. We said every week that we believe that Jesus, come on, he's the hope of the world. So open up your hearts, allow God to meet you where you are. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Does anybody here believe that? No, it's true. Come on, y'all. Well, listen, we started a brand new series just two weeks ago entitled Homework. And it's about this idea that all of us probably need to work a little bit on our home. What we found out through every season, but specifically this last season of COVID, is that probably as we face some storms, that it's really shown up, it's exposed some challenges and some problems in our family, in our marriages, in our finances, in our mental health. And so because those weaknesses have been exposed through the storm we've gone through, the challenge that I felt that God put on me was to come and to figure out how to live the life that he wants us to live. Because that's one of the promises that Jesus ultimately made was how he came to offer us a better way of doing life. And so really he challenged and he made this comparison of when we go through storms in life and how we navigate them. He, he kind of taught this parable we talked about in week one. He said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and verse 25. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, that though the rains come in in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Everybody say that. It won't collapse. Come on, Lawrenceburg. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. So what Jesus is saying is if regardless of the storms that come your way, his promise isn't a, isn't a storm-free life but a storm-proof life. That if we'll hear what he has to say about every area of our life, no matter what trouble comes our way, we're going to be okay. What we've been saying through this whole series is that a strong foundation establishes a stable future. That again, if you want to make it through the storms that are surely going to come your way that many of us are currently in, the way we navigate that, especially as people of faith, is we hear what Jesus has to say, we, we figure out what God's word says, and we start to apply that to every area of our life. And so today... I want us to tackle the topic of marriage. Let me just say this. I know that obviously everybody here on this campus in Lawrenceburg watching online, not everybody's marriage, a lot of what I'm going to say has to do with just relationship in general. So if you're not in a marriage, don't tune me out. And if you're not in a marriage, you never know when you might get in a marriage. And some of you are like, no, I'm 40. I'm not going to get married. I'm 50. I tapped out. I got divorced. I'm never going back. Listen, one thing I figure out with Jesus is never say never. And so uh, I just want you to know, I think this will apply to everybody if you'll just open up your hearts and hear what it is that God has to say. Uh, and, and this is a big topic, marriage. I have been here for uh, finishing up nine years. I probably have taught in nine years probably someone in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 messages on relationships. And so if you feel like, feel like I don't cover what you're going through, go back in our archive. There are lots of messages really that will probably help you. Uh, but just trust me, man, God is going to do something today. Amen? Amen? 
So when I was a, when I was a kid, I remember a lot of times in, in the summer, uh, you know, maybe eight, nine years old, that we would go out in summertime and we would take like a mason jar, some kind of see-through jelly jar. Anybody else do this? And you would go out and you would find a couple bugs. I need some love here so I don't feel like I was a sadist as a kid. And you would find two different bugs and you would stick them in the jar and then shake the jar up, try to get them real mad at each other, and then just hold the jar and watch what would go down, right? And it was, you know, you may maybe put like a grasshopper and, you know, whatever. It was always best if you can get the mean bugs in the same jar, like a bee and a spider. And you would just watch and you would just watch it go down. It was like, let's get ready to rumble. And like these bugs would just go at it. Until generally, like, either they would stay away from each other or they would engage, and it was horrible, and Jesus still loves me, and I found grace because of what he did. Amen. All the PETA people in Bugfield are like, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> so anyways, you know, when I think about that, think about this, this jar. You have two different species trying to coexist in one confined environment. And when I think about that, I think that is a great picture of marriage. Unfortunately, many of us, we go the way of the bugs, and we just go at it until one person's dead. And so my hope today is that if you are in a cantankerous, agitated, frustrated, fighting marriage that's breaking down, that God would do something really radical to turn your heart around, turn your marriage around, turn your life around, because we serve a God who is about reconciliation, and there is no relationship in home between parents and kids and husbands and wives, between white and black, Republican and Democrat. There is no heart that God can't heal and restore. If he can do it this way, he can do it this way. Come on. So, again, we've gone through a very challenging season, and so I found a couple tweets that different couples put out during this last season that I think help us maybe understand some of the frustrations that we have gone through uh, as a church in our homes. One person said this, the longer the quarantine, the louder his sneeze. <laughs> My wife and I have been playing this fun game during quarantine. It's called, why are you doing it that way? Currently, we're both losing. 2019, husband is annoying after two hours. 2020, husband is annoying after two minutes. My husband and I were having a hypothetical conversation about opening a restaurant. After all of this is over, and it'd be really fun until we started to disagree on how we'd run things and who we'd hire. Now a restaurant is bankrupt, and we're getting a divorce. Watching Netflix together, I found out my husband's favorite snack while we watch it is whatever makes the most noise. One person said this, I need to go back to work if our marriage is going to make it. So again... You know, I think that we have gone through this storm of, of being confined and the financial pressures and the relational pressures, and it's not just the COVID challenges, it's really the covenant challenges that makes marriage hard. When I say covenant, what I mean is this, if you're taking notes, the marriage covenant is a lifelong commitment of a lifestyle conduct towards your spouse. Your covenant is the commitment you made to your spouse. It's the rules, it's the goals of marriage. Right? It's, it's how you've decided to operate. It's when you stood in front of each other and you said that, like, I commit to love you, to have you, to hold you, come on, for better or for worse. Yeah. Come on, we want just when it's better. For richer, for poor, we want when it's just for richer. In sickness and in health, we don't want to go through health issues. 
And so all of us, we made these, these covenants, these commitments to each other. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you that in spite of the covenant, the reason the covenant makes it hard is because if, if you could live rule-free, just do whatever you want, whenever you want, they have a word for that. It's called the bachelor life. But if you want to live in relationship with somebody, a husband and a wife, a wife and a husband, then you have to play by the rules in order for, for you to succeed and figure out how do these boundaries work? What does a healthy relationship look like? My wife and I, we have, I think, overall, a great marriage. We're not perfect. We have to figure out, just like all the rest of us, how to play by the rules, how to figure out how to navigate marriage. On uh, Memorial Day, just a few weekends ago, we decided to have some friends over to our house. And so we did like many of you guys do, right? You go out in the backyard and you have a cookout, and everybody knows the rules of the game. At least in our house, when cooking happens inside, it's her on the stove. When cooking happens outside, let's go, men. We own the grill. That's my domain. That's my spot. I can't cook on a stove, but I can make it go down on a grill. So she made all the hamburger patties and all the stuff inside, and I go out and I put them on the grill. And I didn't clean the grill good enough, so it had a lot of grease from the last several times we cooked. And at one point, I went out to check on the burgers and how they were proceeding I opened the grill, and it was on fire. I don't mean there was a fire. I mean the grill was on fire. So I tried to put it out, did everything I could, and I walked in the house, act like I wasn't panicked, and I'm like, we got a spray bottle? And so I walked out. I spray bottled this thing. Like, I could have fire hosed it, and the more, I swear I was shooting gasoline on the grill. <laughs> I, I just got to jump ahead in this story, because I can't, I'm not going to get here, but... At one point, one of the kids that came to our house, families, the kids said this. This is something you never want to hear at your cookout. Dad, my burger's crunchy. <laughs> Dad, I don't want to eat my burger. My burger's crunchy. Anyways, so my wife comes out. This is my grill. This is my domain. This is what I do. My wife comes out and says, you need to move and let me cook. I'm like, listen, woman. I didn't say that, but I thought it. Listen, I know how, listen, this is mine, and we're like bumping each other, and she's just trying to do it, and I, and I walked away. We don't cuss at each other. We don't name call in our house, but we have this thing. This is what we do. It doesn't sound bad, but you got to know us. When we say bye-bye to each other, bye-bye. <laughs> so I looked at her, I'm like, bye-bye, and I walked in the house, which she knew what I meant. And I got in the house, and here's what I figured out, and I'm just, just going to be honest. The reason I was so bothered, I'm just going to be honest, I was burning these burgers. It was about to be bad. She came in and rescued the day. Let's show up for good wives. Come on. The reason I was upset is because it hurt my ego. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? But for that moment, there's some tension and some, a little bit of angst, and we were kind of a little frustrated for a little while. I'm just telling you, nobody's perfect, but we have to figure out how to manage marriage, how to play by the rules, how to make it work. It's not easy, but God can help you have the marriage he intended you to have if you'll do it his way. Did you know that marriage is a reflection of Christianity? That's right. Marriage is a reflection of Christianity. That the way a husband and wife operate, that that earthly relationship between a husband and wife is a reflection of our spiritual relationship with Jesus. In fact, here's what Paul said about that. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, as the scriptures say, he's pointing back to Genesis, the first marriage between Adam and Eve. He says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother. Men, y'all might want to write that one down. Come on. 
and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And he goes on, he says this. He says, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Here's what he's saying again, that that marriage, earthly marriage between a husband and wife is an example. It's a representation. It's a reflection of our relationship with Christ. Think about it, right? Ultimately, God the Son, he left his place in heaven. He came on a rescue mission down to earth. God wrapped himself in humanity. He died on the cross of Calvary. The purpose of it was to establish a covenant so you and I, every person, can have a relationship with God. And the Bible says when a person puts their faith in Jesus, who he is and what he's done, that you become individually a part, I become individually a part of his body. He's the head, we're the body, and corporately, we're the bride. Come on. And he's our bridegroom. And that relationship is forever. Is anybody thankful that our relationship with God is forever? And so the same way a husband leaves his father's house and joins to his wife and they become, the two become one and it's forever, Jesus left heaven, came to earth on a rescue mission for us, died on the cross to make us one forever. I mean, that's just powerful to me to think about. And so as we step into this today, I want to kind of dig in and we're going to look at this guy by the name of Hosea. Hosea is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. If you know the Bible Many of the books in the Old Testament are names of guys. And many of these individuals that are mentioned by name, the names of the books, they were prophets. And today, I want us just to look at one verse. It's in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet who was called to live a parable. He was called to walk out. He was called to be a living parable, an example of a lesson that God was trying to teach people. And it all revolved around marriage. And ultimately, here's the challenge. God calls Hosea, the prophet. He tells me, he says, I want you to go marry this girl named Gomer. Hosea, go marry Gomer. Gomer, Hosea, Hosea, Gomer. Hosea, I want you to go marry Gomer. Hosea marries Gomer. Gomer, Hosea provides for Gomer. And Gomer runs around on him and cheats and starts sleeping around. And it's a picture that God married us. He came into a relationship with us. He provided for us. And we ran around and cheated on him and didn't honor our relationship with him. And then God says this, and here's the whole point of the parable the prophet is called to live. He says, Hosea, even though you have a right to divorce Gomer because she went around on you and cheated on you. I also have a right to break up with you because you ran around on me and cheated on me. But because I'm going to keep on loving you, I want you to keep on loving your wife. And so it's a picture. Watch this. If you're taking notes, it's a picture. Again, it's an illustration. And since marriage is an illustration of God's relationship with us, that he keeps loving us, he keeps going after us, watch this, then God's relationship with us should influence our marriage. God is saying if the way you live as husband and wife, people look at it and get a picture of how I operate, then we ought to operate right so we give a good picture to the world and so we can have the best relationship because we have a God who came for us, who loved us, who loves us forever and keeps pursuing us. That's what God wants for a home. I know some of you are like, but you don't know who I'm married to. 
there are no doubt challenges, and there is tension, and there are heartaches, and there are challenges. But I say it, one tagline I say often, if you've been here, is if you want God's best, you have to do it God's way. And so he calls, he calls us into this relationship. And I want us to look at one verse. So his wife that he marries, she goes out and she starts running around. She don't sleep with, like, the, the, way, the, the way the story's painted is she just, like, you know, she don't have a texting affair with this guy at work. Like, she goes and she starts sleeping around with several dudes in the community. In Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, God says this to Hosea, and this is where we're going to pull a few things for our marriage. Then the Lord said to me, I want us all to read this. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate... The Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and, love, and, and to, to love and to worship them. So God says, listen, I want, you to, I want you to go. I want you to love again Gomer, even though she's cheating on you, because I want it to be an illustration to everybody. The same way you turned your back on me, I'm going to keep coming after you. And so I'm going to give you three things. There's so many things I can say about marriage, but I think these three things will apply to really any relationship, but especially marriage. That if you're here and your marriage is on the rocks, if you are here, you're in Lawrenceburg, you're watching online, and your marriage is struggling, if there's some tension, if you got a good marriage but you want a better marriage, do these three things. If you got a broken marriage but you want a successful marriage, do these three things. If you're not married but you want to get married, learn to do these three things. And you can have a better marriage. You can have a healthy marriage. You can build your marriage on a stable foundation that when storms come, because they're coming, when tension comes, and it's coming, when heartache comes, and it is coming, your marriage will stand because it's built on the rock. So three things. Number one, pursuit. Pursuit. Notice right away what God tells what God tells Hosea, he says, then the Lord said to me, everybody shout that two-letter word, go. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't, do go, I don't do go good. Like when my wife upsets me, I'm going to my room, I'm going to my office, I'm going to my PS4, let's go. And she better come to me. And some of you go through the same thing, right? Have you ever gone in a fight or a battle or a challenge with your spouse and both of you are on opposite ends of the house and you know like you're waiting on them to come to you and she waiting on you to come to her and everybody's just got their arms folded and ain't nobody going to anybody? Listen, you can't reconcile from opposite ends of the house. Someone has to be the person to swallow the pride that the enemy's trying to divide your marriage with and say, I'm going to go to them even though they won't go to me. And here's the crazy thing. You might say, but... Pastor, again, you don't know what they did. God looks at Hosea, who his wife has cheated on with multiple people, and says, I want you to go. God sets the example of go. Again, all the way back to who Jesus is and what he did. When you understand, ultimately, Jesus left heaven to go after us. We were the sheep that wandered astray, and he left all of the other sheep to go after us, right? So Jesus sets the example and the pace. And I don't know about you, but I still wander astray. Sometimes I still get off the path. Sometimes I still do my own thing. And I'm thankful that I have a Savior that keeps going after me when I go away from him. Is anybody else here thankful for that? 
So Jesus sets the pace to go after us. Then he tells us, for those that experience life change through Jesus, he tells us in Matthew chapter 28, he says, hey, don't wait for lost people to find you. You go after them. Go into all the world. Everybody shout go. Come on, Lawrenceburg. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So Jesus, he was going after us. We are called to go after other people. And so we illustrate the gospel in our marriage when we go. You illustrate the gospel in your marriage when you go. That when you're struggling, when you're hurt, when you decide to put that aside in spite of what's been done to you and go, that's where life change happens. And it's, it's this idea, right, where we're called to be an initiator. Like we're called just to be the one that I'm going to go. I'm not going to let division sit in my house. I'm not going to let unforgiveness. I'm not going to let bitterness. I'm not going to let it stay here because it's only going to poison my marriage. And I want a healthy marriage. And the only way you can have a healthy marriage is for somebody to go. For somebody to go. We're not just called to be initiators. We're called to be investors. When I say investors... What I'm telling you is this, is that many of us don't have the marriage we want because we're not willing to make the sacrifices we need. Did you know every marriage has a price? Every marriage in Lawrenceburg, everyone here, did you know there's a price tag on your marriage? When I say every marriage has a price, I mean no matter how, whether you got a booming marriage or a broken marriage, there is a price you're paying in your home for that marriage. Every marriage has a price. You have to decide how you're going to invest. Are you going to invest in a, in a marriage that's breaking out, or you're going to invest in a marriage that's breaking down? Let me give you an example. When I say every marriage has a price, think about this. This is something as a person, honestly, as a pastor, when I watch marriages struggle, when I watch marriages go through divorce, I've had, unfortunately, in 30 years of ministry, a front row seat to multiple marriages breaking down and ending in divorce. And I often look at the tension those couples are now going through in the divorce, the bills they're paying, the struggles they're going through, the emotional turmoil, and I think, if you would have just paid that price in the marriage, you might still have a marriage. When I say every marriage has a price, let me just, let me break it down like this. Every marriage has a price. Your marriage has a price. Everybody is making emotional investments in their marriage, whether it's booming or whether it's breaking. Either you're investing in fights or you're investing in forgiveness. Either way, you're paying a price of emotional investment. Think about this. Every marriage is paying a price financially. You can either pay for a lawyer or you can pay for a counselor, but you're going to spend some money in that relationship. I wish somebody would help me. I try to, I try to challenge marriages. My wife and I, we, we try to do this in our busy schedules. We try to wrestle through. We try to make time to get away and spend time with each other. Do you know why? Because you're either going to spend money getting away with your spouse or spend money getting away from your spouse. Oh, let's go. I came to preach today. You're going to spend some money. You just got to decide, where am I going to spend it? Either you're going to spend time in struggles or you're going to spend time in striving. But at the end of the day, we are going to make sacrifices and investments in our marriage that are going to have to push us to the other side. Right. You might say, Pastor, that sounds like a lot of work. Love shouldn't be that much work. Are you kidding me? Anything in life worth doing is about sacrifice and investment. Yes, right. if, if, listen to me. If you say marriage shouldn't be that much work, 
Do you want a great marriage? You're going to have to work at it. The moment you stop working at it, it starts going downhill. The moment you stop going, start setting and dwelling in your bitterness and your hurt, it's the moment your marriage starts falling apart. If you say, like, it shouldn't be that much work, what about getting a degree, starting a business, going to work, raising kids? Come on. Anything, just, just maintaining a home. It's all work. We got a swimming pool uh, last year, had it put in. And when I started hearing swimming pool, like, I'll be honest, I didn't want one because people started telling me about, well, your bill's going to go up. You got pumps and you got all this stuff. And I, I, I found out, man, like, you know, you got to buy all these chemicals. I thought, man, it's another, it sounded like a part-time job to me, except I was paying the person. And so I hired a pool person. Right up here on the front row. Let's go, somebody. Woo! She kills it. Our pool is gold. But I'm just telling you, listen, if you, if you have a pool, all you guys know this, it costs money and time to keep it clean so you can swim in it. You can't just dig a hole, dump some water in it, and expect it to maintain its pH levels. If you want a swimming pool, you got to work on it. If you want a job, you got to work on it. If you want a business, you got to work on it. If you want some abs like I got, you got to work on it. If you want a marriage, let's go. You have to work on it. You just got to work on it. And so the second thing, after pursuit, again, you have to decide you're going to be the one to go. That's what God told Hosea. He said, I want you to go to Gomer. Number two, besides pursuit, is passion. It takes passion. When I say passion, most of us, we think of the love stories. And we picture like the movies or the romantic novels that maybe some of you read of this guy and this girl. They fall in love. And like life is just perfect and they live together with rose-colored glasses. The other person can just do no wrong. And and what happens is when we walk out of the movie theater or we close the book, what we don't realize is the people who fell in love is the same girl who when they got married got up in the middle of the night and fell in the toilet because her husband forgot to put the seat down. It's the same couple that got in a fight because the wife puts the toilet paper to roll under and everybody knows it rolls over. It's the same couple that has tension because her husband had a good job when they got married and then he got fired and lost his job and now they got financial pressure. It's the same couple that everything was good till they had kids and the kids started taking away from the time from each other so they had to navigate life and then the kids went through terrible twos and that was crazy because they can't agree on how to discipline the kids and then the kids went through the terrible teenage stage, let's go, and all of a sudden chaos broke out and it really goes down when you reach menopause, someone help a brother out. (laughs) What I'm telling you is like our idea of passion is something that just jumps on us. I saw her when I was... 16 years old, she was 15, it was a dance, and immediately when I saw her across the room, I fell in lust. Oh, I'm the only one here to talk about it real. I fall in love, I fell in lust. Let's go, can somebody help me? Let's go, come on, Pastor, you're speaking truth today. But you fall in love. And you want to be with that person, and you get warm fuzzies and numb buzzies, and you just can't wait to see them and hear their voice and talk to them. But I want you to hear this. While that is, on some level, passion, true passion, 
is not something that has you. True passion is something you have. See, we feel like it's just something that comes on us that we have no control over. Ultimately, if you're taking notes, love is an action. It's not an accident. It's not that something that happens to you. It's something that happens through you. Hosea, again, listen to this. Listen to what God says to Hosea, who is cheated on by his wife, Gomer. I want you to watch this. He says, go and love your wife again. Everybody say again. My prayer is your pastor for Lawrenceburg, for Florence, for every person watching online, for every marriage, if it's good and you want it better, if it's broke and you want it good, my prayer is that God would help you to make the decision to fall in love again. And the point is that God makes it clear it's a decision. You can decide to do it. How do you fall in love again? How, how do you spark passion? I think it's really found in two small words, three letters. You said it when you got married. I do. Everybody say, I do. Again, it was your commitment of what you would do to and for your spouse. Vows, if you're taking notes, it's not just a verbal expression. It's a visible exhibi- exhibition. It's not just what you say, it's what you do. And when we get married, it's easy to start walking that stuff out, but when the tension comes, when the struggles come, when the challenges of life start stretching your schedule, sometimes it's hard to walk out the I do's. And even worse, I have found this to be true, and I I think most of you here can help me. Sometimes we we start adjusting what I do based on what they did. Even though I made a commitment that I'm going to love you, I'm going to honor you, I'm going to support you, I'm going to provide for you, for in better, worse, sick or poor, right, I'm going to be here for you. We start adjusting what we do based on what they did. When our spouse stops living up to what we think they should do, we start adjusting what we do. And I'm telling you, what God wants you to do, God wants you to make the decision I do. God wants you to make the decision I do. God wants you to make the decision I do. See, one of the things that I have found out in marriage is I can't make my wife do anything. I talk a big talk up here, but let's just get real. She's her own person. She's going to do what she wants, when she wants, how she wants, and I'm my own person. I do what I want, when I want, how I want, huh? (laughs) Right, baby? (laughs) Like, we're individuals, and we have to learn to submit to each other and love each other, and yield to each other, and even though I want it my way, I'm going to do it your way, and maybe next time I can have it my way, and I'm telling you that's hard when you're proud, and you're arrogant, and I'm the man woman, you got to do it my way. I'm a strong woman, you got to do it my way. No, we're in love. We're no longer two, but we're one. We got to figure out the one, and the way we figure out the one is to commit to, I do, despite of what you do, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to trust God to help you do your part. I do. Let's go, somebody. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. We've been married 26 years, dated five years before. 31 years. I know it's hard to believe. Started dating at the age of two. (laughs) I remember those diaper days, babe. How do you get here? I'm smart enough experienced enough in life to know that every person in this room who is married, who wants to be married, who has been married, knows everything I'm saying is 100% true. There's nothing I'm saying up here like, oh, I never heard that before. Be passionate about my wife, I'm going to like, oh. 
let down the offense and go after my heart. I wish someone would have told me that. Like I just came. Here's what I've been praying. For a couple weeks, I've really wrestled through this message. As a pastor and as a Christian, I believe there's power in God's word. Everything God does, God does through his word. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God does everything by his word, and I'm convinced of that. I believe what I do when God gives me the opportunity to stand on a platform isn't talking points from a person. It's preaching God's word, and God's word changes hearts and changes lives. I believe that. But wait, like I've just wrestled, I've just wrestled through for the last couple of weeks, like just the enemy lying to me, like there's some marriages struggling. You ain't going to make no difference. They've already done, made up their mind. And I've just been fighting through that. I was praying last night, praying this morning, been praying out walking all week, praying for marriages at Faith Church, praying for people online who are struggling. I've been praying some of you who've gotten a divorce that God will restore you. And I'm just believing, listen, you can sit here and say, Pastor, I know, I know everything you said, and I, I just don't care. I don't know how. I can't get through. She won't. He won't. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, I'm believing the power of the Holy Spirit to show up in your heart, in your home, and do what only God can do. But you got to be a willing participant. Come on, how many people want a great marriage? And so here's the big thing. I'm almost out of time. The third thing I think every marriage needs, not only do you need a pursuit, you're the person willing to go. I think we need to have passion. We need to make the decision to, I do, in spite of what they did. I think number three, everybody needs to purge from time to time. Here's news, if you didn't know this, if it hasn't happened, there will come a time that your partner will hurt you. They will forget something, they will say something, they will do something, they will get an attitude, they will speak some words out of their mouth, they will say it with some harshness, God forbid they might call you some names God forbid they might walk out on you. They might cheat on you. They might have an emotional affair. They might get tore up and connected to pornography. They might sneak out around your back. I know that. I've lived in a relationship. There's been things that Shauna's done that's hurt me, and I know far more there's things that I've done to her that's hurt her, but I'm telling you at the end of the day, what makes a marriage work is we got to be willing to let go of those things we're carrying. We got to purge, because here's what I know. I'm not just a sinner in need of grace from a Savior. I'm a sinner in need of grace from my wife, and she's a sinner who's in need of grace from me. I need to be able to look at her and forgive her of things she's done. She needs to look at me and forgive me of things I've done, because that's the only way marriages work is if there's mercy involved. We got to have mercy in the marriage. Let's go. Hosea 3.1, then the Lord said, watch this, then the Lord said to me, come on, I want you to read it one more time. Lawrenceburg, read this. Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. You need to decide that you're going to have an even though marriage. I'm going to love her even though. And you can talk about it and you can fill in the blank. You're even those. This is what he's done. This is what she said. This is how he's treated me. This is what he's done to me. This is how she's gone. Everybody in this room can fill in the blank with your even though. And God says, even though, 
God, how can I? Because we're living out the gospel. Because even though I cheated on God, even though I went behind his back, even though I still sometimes lie, cuss, cheat, steal, hate, murder in my heart, lust in my body, come on, even though I wrestle all that, I have an even though God who loved me. Come on. And God says, even though you do those things, I love you. You're filled with my love. You can be an even though person in your marriage. An even though marriage. An even though marriage. I want us to read 1 Corinthians 13. It's something probably a lot of you read in your own ceremonies or maybe had read. It's this idea of what love is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. I want you to listen to what Paul says true love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Here's what's crazy. You can pull love out and insert God's name in, and it's 100% true. God is patient and kind. God does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. God never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Here's a question. If God is that illustration and we should be influenced, if we can pull out God's name or pull out love and insert God's name to be true, I think we should be able to pull out love and insert our name in our marriage. Is it true about me? Steve is patient and kind. Steve is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Steve does not demand his own way. Steve is not irritable. Like, can you do that in your marriage? The one thing I want you just to hear real quick is is this one part. It keeps no record of being wrong. Your spouse will hurt you. And what's crazy is I think for a lot of us is your spouse, your spouse has never been perfect. But at some point, you started keeping score. Like, they weren't perfect when you were dating them. They weren't perfect when you were, like, engaged. They weren't perfect in their early years of marriage. Like, for some reason, we felt like all of a sudden, this person turned into someone horrible. They've always been that person. But at some point, we, like, we, were, so, we were so in love. We were so passionate. We were willing to overlook their shortcomings. We were willing to forgive the things they did. And at some point, we started keeping record of wrongs. At some point we started keeping score and keeping track. And when you start mounting all that stuff up, all of a sudden the, the evidence of that hurt gets greater than the weight of passion. And we say, I'm out. And at some point we got to decide to purge. I need mercy. I'm going to give mercy. I need grace. I'm going to give grace. Marriage is impossible without mercy. So if you'll do like God did for us and you'll do in your marriage, if you'll be a person who's about pursuit. You'll be a person who's about passion. And you'll be a person who's willing to purge and forgive. Your marriage can go to a whole nother level. How many people here have a marriage but want a better marriage? Or you don't have a marriage yet, but when you get one, you want one like the one I'm talking about. Heavenly Father, I'm stand before you because I know there's marriages in this room, marriages of people watching online who are struggling, who are hurting, some who've walked through divorce and are still carrying that pain, some who are considering divorce. Lord, there's marriages here that are doing okay, but Lord, there's storms coming their way. 
And I pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to our hearts. I pray we'll stop, stop praying, God, speak to my husband, Lord, speak to my wife. I pray today you'll speak to me, you'll speak to us. Help me, help me to do I do. Help us to walk out our part, our responsibility. Help us to heal, help us to forgive. And I pray over every marriage, I pray restoration, I pray reconciliation, I pray renewal. I pray, God, we will build our marriages on your word. And when the storms come, when the rains beat, and when the winds blow, our marriages will stand because they're built on a strong foundation. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.